Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at Powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Welcome everyone to episode 28 of the most positive podcast about all things elite and AEW. Welcome to all things elite. I am your host Floyd Johnson and with me is my co-host Amy. Oh, how you doing Amy? I am doing fantastic and I am so excited to talk StarCast and all out this is going to be an awesome show yes this is going to be an action-packed content-filled episode but before we get started i I want to remind you that this episode of all things elite is brought to you by power slam tv power slam tv where you get access to over four thousand hours of content from over 110 10 of your favorite wrestling ramps from countries all around the globe right onto your laptop and mobile device if you use the code social suplex you get the first month free an exclamation point, the first thing on the notes is StarCast. So I'm going to hand it off to you, Amy. <laughs> StarCast. I have to say, after going to both Vegas StarCast and StarCast Chicago, I'm pretty sure StarCast is my favorite thing ever at this point. Because you have so many people converging onto one city, all flying in, in mass. And everyone is really excited about the show that they're going to see because it's always centered around, so far, an AEW show. So everybody's super hyped. Then they have all of their events. And this time when we walked in, it was like we immediately saw friends that we had made in in Vegas. So it was like not only is this convergence of wrestling fans, but it really feels like a convergence of wrestling family. And I love that so much. And that is basically the encapsulation of my StarCast experience was spending time with my wrestling family, and it was freaking awesome. How was your StarCast experience, Floyd? Because I know we saw each other, wrestling fam, AEW fam. Yes. I'm going to say samesies. This was, I was, you know, I've been at all three, and I can honestly say this, it's truly my happy place. You know, it is, 
uh, just joy. You walk in, you know the StarCast people. You know the people you're picking up the tickets from. You know the people that are working the lines. You know the people that are organizing everything. And you're trying to do your best to, you know, be friendly, but kind of stay out of their way while they're handling things and be very accommodating to your other uh, people. I told you before when we were kind of doing our pre-talk that I truly believe because I'm in a lot of different fandoms. I'm, of course, a, a huge WWE fan, uh, football fandoms, and all that stuff. You definitely have to deal with personalities. But the nicest, most accommodating fan base I've ever been a part of is the Elite fan base. Now, Absolutely. Now, some of us might not be nice to people outside of the fan base, but it was just like we were at... Um, we were at just an example. Uh, I'll tell it quick. We were at Kenny Omega, and it, it was running a little long at Pro Wrestling Tees, you know. And these, and you know, this is uh, it's not at Starcast, but these are uh, it's the same people that are at Starcast coming to stand in the line. And uh, this lady and her husband, uh, they needed to be back for the pause to for, at Starcast for Cody. And uh, they came back all the way back in line where I was because it was the last thing I was doing. I didn't really have anything else to do, so I was fine. And they were like, I don't know what we're going to do. We tried to talk to the people. They're, they're going to try to be accommodating. And I was like, what I found is if you just go up to the front of the line and say, hey, this is where I got to be. Uh, this is my specific situation. You know, uh, more than likely one or two people will let you go in front of them. So they were kind of trepidatious about it. So they was like, hey, ask me. So when the picture came around, I could talk to my friend. I was like, hey, this is the exact situation that they're in. You know, when we come by, can they jump in front of you so they can make it to their uh, pause meet and greet? Because, you know, pause is for charity. You know, you get to see Pharaoh. And they were like, sure. There was no hesitation in their voice. And then the people that would have been behind them that would have generally complained about someone jumping in front of them were like, okay. And they were happy to let them go. So that story in a nutshell has been my experience with the Elite fandom. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we saw people like holding doors, helping people carrying packages, holding doors for uh, the hotel staff as they were, you know, bringing things in, you know, these giant carts and things like Everybody was so nice and considerate and helpful. I saw people um, in the Jim Ross line. There was this really great little group of friends that had met up. There was this girl in line, and then her friends came up. Apparently, it was her friend's birthday. This girl pulls out Young Bucks um, Funko dolls that she got signed by Nick and Matt Jackson and an extra autograph photo that she had signed by them and a Kenny Omega thing that she had, like, all of these things that people are just so thoughtful and so giving of their time, of moments. It was wonderful. And, you know, for us, we had, we had this situation where my husband, Andy Nimity, likes to drink and do magic when we do StarCast. Yes. And he's really fun and really good at magic. And so it, it you know, creates these really fun experiences where we have friends hanging out, doing magic tricks. It's great. Only problem is he didn't have cards. Now, StarCast did sell a deck of cards, but they weren't really that great. <laughs> they were really small. We actually ended up talking a bit to Megan about it, and she was so kind because we were just hanging out with her 
and uh, you know, just talking about magic and talking about cards and just the natural progress of the conversation went that way. In any case, um, so he got the Starcast cards, tried to make it work. One person ended up trying to track Andy down. They had bought him a pack of cards because they saw on Twitter that he was looking for a pack of cards. And this person bought him this gorgeous steampunk set of playing cards that were perfect for magic. It was amazing. And so they tracked him down. They left him at the desk after they weren't able to, to run into us. But, you know, that's the kind of thing is that people are looking out for each other. People are looking to have these wonderful experiences. People are so kind and giving and generous of their time and attention. And it's really just this wonderful convergence of wrestling, friendship, family, and fans all in one place. And I'm, I'm, I'm addicted to it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just picking up my passes. I made this. I told him I would uh, shout him out. My uh, friend Tyler Ballman. We were picking up our tickets. He was right behind me. I kind of mentioned, you know, I'm a talker. Kind of mentioned that I just drove like 12 and a half hours from Oklahoma. And he was like, uh, you're going to the Cody thing at Pro Wrestling Tees, right? And he was like, yeah. Well, I came here to make friends. So won't you ride with me? All right. I met a guy like like seriously. We known each other five minutes. We're driving riding down to the Cody uh, Cody uh, event, and I was like, I told him about my friend Will, and I was I told him I was I told him I would give him a ride home, a ride back to Starcast. So do you mind if he jumps in? He's like, Yeah, sure. And then we got there, and Tiffany Tiffany wanted to uh, get back so she could get back to be first in line for the uh, Cody uh, Cody. Um, I guess it was the event the at uh, StarCast. And he was like, sure, jump on in. It was like four new, fair, you know, new friends right there, just giving rides, just being accommodating, just knowing that we're all there for the same thing. It is, it is just the best thing in the world to me because you spend your life, a lot of times in your life, if you're a wrestling fan, especially as long as I've been, you spend a lot of time defending wrestling. Three, four days, I don't have to at all. Yes. Everyone gets it. it. You might not get who I like, but you get wrestling. And that's all I need. I don't need you to love everyone I love. I don't, we don't have to be the exact same. But once you get wrestling, that's, we have a start right there. Oh, man. Absolutely. Fully agreed. So what was your StarCast event schedule like? Because I know in Vegas you were packed with a full itinerary of meet and greets that seemed impossible. And yet the magic wonder of Floyd Johnson pulled it off and hit all of them. What was your meet and greet schedule like this time? And then after you're done... I did meet and greets for the first time ever, so I'm excited to talk about that. And one of yours became a meme. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yes. Yes, that's awesome. Uh, no, actually, I scaled it way back. I really did want to just have some time with the friends, and I just wanted to, you know, be able to walk around and enjoy myself and sit a little bit. And it, it, it changed the experience, but I enjoyed it just as much. So I had the Pro Wrestling Tees. They Pro Wrestling Tees did events at their store. So I had Cody, I had Kenny, and I had the Young Bucks. So I, I, I bought all three of them. And then uh, as far as meetings there, I think I only did five. 
because I had Moxley, but he didn't show. Of course, he couldn't. You know, he was sick and or injured, uh, so he couldn't do it. So I got Jimmy Havoc. Uh, trying to do it off the top of my head. Uh, I know Jimmy Havoc was one. I met Hikaru Shida. Uh, was the other one. Oh, good Lord. I cannot think of him right now. I'm like freezing up. Man, this is this is so embarrassing. But no, I met like five people. And they got I got my uh I got my I bet the Dark Order. Yes. Now that was the best Dude, how was that? That was probably the best meeting of the weekend. They really? are super friendly. And oh. nothing <laughs> nothing. <laughs> and they were funny and laughing. <laughs> the person before me they, him and his friends did the thing where they were the chair, like their pose, uh, like their pose that they do in the middle of the ring, where the uh, spooky perverts make a, a throne for Evil Uno. They made the yeah, throne, yeah, yeah. and Evil Uno sat on them, and uh, you know Stu Grayson was there, and they took a picture like that, and they were just super accommodating. They signed my uh, turnbuckle pad, and then they like, hey, want me to sign a picture to you? And they were just very just amazing it was amazing i i'm probably killing their gimmick completely they were like the nicest people ever <laughs> that's awesome that <laughs> yes is so, yeah. cool. so i really started loving the dark order aka spooky perverts and i know that the dark order on twitter was like yo guys that name is banned don't call us that but the second somebody's like, don't call me that, I'm like, uh-uh. Yes, nope. yes. We're calling you that forever now. That's yeah. great that they were so friendly. Yes, I will boo them loudly from <laughs> now on because they were so nice to me. I'm going to support them because I think they're really good workers. I, you know, people just don't like the gimmick. But And then, of course, I met freshly squeezed. Orange Cassidy. Oh, yeah. I think he was oh, the. Yeah. How was that? He was like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's so just chill. He's like, I was like, Did congratulations. He he's like, congratulations on signing, and he just kind of gave me the half thumbs up. And then there was another <laughs> guy that was dressed exactly like him. And oh, they did the, uh, they just they were doing the dap, but they just their hands stayed open and they kind of slapped it. Uh yeah. So he signed my. Uh, he signed. Um, my uh, turnbuckle pad, he just put O-C. <laughs> now, <laughs> and you would think, great. you know, some people, you know, might have a problem with it, but if it's his gimmick, and out of all the ones on my uh, turnbuckle pad, his sticks out the most, because it's just an O and a C, and it's kind of, oh, uh, yeah, 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 so, um, yeah, uh, that it was a great, like I said, like I said, it was only eight people, I did more actual uh, shows this time that I and that was not something I'd done before and I got to bring my brother so that was really cool oh how was bringing your brother to Starcast what was his thoughts on it what were uh, his he, thoughts on the whole environment he had a good time he went to some shows he's not a meet and greet person he just you know yeah uh, he but he loved the fact and he loved the fact that um he can meet wrestlers just walking around. That's where he's more comfortable. Yeah. He's more comfortable in a casual setting than the, uh, the structured setting of a, a meet and greet. So I'm a huge Arn Anderson fan. I've been a favorite wrestler of all time. The reason Arn Anderson is my favorite wrestler of all time is because of my brother. So my brother was outside smoking, and uh, Arn Anderson walked up, and they had a little conversation. No 
way. So his favorite wrestler of all time, he met. And he was like, he didn't need to meet and greet anybody. He was good that uh, yeah. the, the, he got to meet Arn Anderson, but he got to meet DDP. He got to meet, you know, like I said, Stark has, I've said this before, and I don't want, I don't want it to come off too repetitive. The best thing about it is you don't really have to get meet and greets. You can, I mean, get meet and greets because I want you to support the event so they can make money and they keep doing them. But you, at, at times, let's say you can't afford meet and greets and all you can afford is the gold pass or whatever. So you can go to the shows. You will see and meet wrestlers just being in that hotel environment. Dude, SCU was drinking at the bar quite a bit. We yeah. hung out with Aaron from American Nightmares or American Rebel Cigars uh, basically the whole weekend. I got to hang out with very, like, just say hi to, actually. Let me not say hang out with. I said hi to Mick effing Foley outside on the first night. ODB was running a food truck outside. He was there quite a bit. Tony Schiavone, Marco Stunt, Logan Stunt, they're just walking around doing whatever. Like, everybody is walking around doing StarCast things themselves. And they're super chill with you coming up and saying hi. And sometimes they'll snap a photo. Sometimes they're busy. Nyla Rose was walking around. I caught a quick hello with Aubrey Edwards. Like, everybody's just there. It's amazing. My weirdest moment, or I would say weirdest moment of the weekend, I was sitting in a bar, and you were talking to a lady. uh, I can't remember who it was. You were talking to a lady, and y'all were were deep in conversation, so I didn't want to interrupt. So I was just kind of chilling, and I look over, and Tiffany, Issa, and uh, there are two friends from Japan. I don't remember. One's named Umi. I don't remember the other one's name. Uh, They were talking uh, to this older uh you know this uh black lady this older black lady and i was like this is weird i'm looking i'm like this doesn't look like a conversation that should be happening i'm sorry whatever hate me or whatever uh but i was like okay so i'm intrigued and i'm watching and they're they're just like smiling and happy and i was like huh i want to be a part of this so i'll go over to the table next to them and i just sit there i didn't say anything kind of they all know me, so I just, for the most part, so I just kind of waved and listened. So we're there for an hour, and then, of course, I interject when they bring up something that uh, I never, you know, that I was familiar with. And and I remember she looks at me, and she's like, man, I hope we're not boring you. And I was like, well, I have eight sisters, so I'm used to just kind of sitting back and listening. And uh, she was like, oh, okay, and then we got in that conversation about that. So an hour later... She says this line. She says, you know, I I understand Twitter, but it's for different when they're your child. And I my eyes open and I'm like, then, and it was like the bells start going off. Yeah, it's Brandy Rhodes' mom. <gasps> oh, wow. That's crazy. So I'm sitting there talking to her roughly 30 minutes to an hour. No idea who she was. Just an interesting lady. She's just a very nice, interesting lady. I'm talking. And then she's like, yeah, it's different when you're the mom. I'm like, whose mom are you? And then she started talking about, she started talking about taking her ice skating. I was, and I'm like, I'm, Tiffany's like, Tiffany's talked to her before. So Tiffany's engaged. And you should, I mean, I wish there was a camera to see the expression on my face when the <laughs> light bulb went off. And I was like, oh, I know. 
<laughs> yeah, because I had never seen her before. So yeah, it was a, it was a very like that was probably my moment of the weekend. The fact that I sat and talked to Brandy's mom forever and had no clue who she was. We had a very similar experience with Megan um, one night when we were out drinking, and which was every night we were out there drinking and doing magic, and just talking to people. And there was this woman who was just so sweet. Like every single time she would get up. She would be worried about imposing on someone's conversation. Or when she went to talk to Andy, she kept repeatedly asking me, like, I'm really sorry if this is bothering you guys. I can leave. I don't want to interrupt. I don't want to impose. Constantly, you could tell she's super considerate and very honest and very sweet and very genuine. She was lovely to talk to just about StarCast and and everything else. Throughout the conversation, though, it slowly dawns on us, and this was about the StarCast cards, that... She knew uh, she had ordered them like she knew about them. She had tons of knowledge about how StarCast is run. And so then she starts talking about, you know, the wrestling business. And we're just talking about wrestling and being fans and everything. And she starts mentioning her dad. And (laughs) Andy's like, what do you mean your your dad? And she's like, you know, and he's like, no, like, who's your dad? And she's like, Rick flair and then we're like what <laughs> like we just sat there for like an hour to just hanging out with with megan flair she she's amazing she's super sweet but those are the kinds of moments that you can have where you can just have these great experiences with people the human being of you know wrestling fandom of wrestling family like the person you get to know them as people not as who they're attached to or, you know, who they're related to or anything like that. You get to have these wonderful experiences. And then when you find out afterwards, then it just is the icing on the cake where you're like, oh, my God, that was this person. Wow. We just talked forever. That's really cool. Yes. And it was it was fun. Yeah. I like I said, it was fun. It was just like, huh. And it never I mean, you would have never I don't know how you would act if you were Brandy's mom or whatever. I don't know how you're supposed to act, but you would have never thought anything she was just chatting just very casual conversation and i was like i don't know i'm glad i didn't know until as far as i did in the conversation because i don't know if i would have been nervous at the beginning i am you know i'm pretty talkative but i don't know if i would have been nervous in the beginning if i knew but because i didn't know it was just like talking to a person you know, yeah, you get a, genuine it, moments. Yeah, you get genuine moments, and it was it was it was fun, and it was like like I said, there was that different energy about and she like like I said, sweetest person ever. She uh, I found out how to uh, make greens healthier. You know, nice. Yeah, right. What? Who? Who? Whoa, who would think? Hey, I was at Starcast and I found out how to make a healthier <laughs> version of greens. <laughs> <laughs> You should tell Brandy that. Hey, dude, I want to say thanks to your mom. Not necessarily you, but thank you to your mom. Yes, she made it. She made it. Yeah, that's crazy. So I'm like oh, sitting there listening, fabulous. taking everything in, and they're saying, "Yeah, they're talking about cooking. They're just talking about everything." And it's just like it was very like it was like honestly talking to one of my aunts. It was mm-hmm. she was a very good storyteller. You know, I mean, she had her moments. So it was just that was cool. That's awesome, man. Yeah, dude, StarCast was so much fun. We we hung out with a lot of different people, just spending time with a great community. I did two meet and greets because I've never done meet and greets before. I am not a meet and greet person. I am very much like who prefers to have, you know, just very small interactions with people, go up and shake their hand, say hello, maybe snag a pic if the opportunity is, is reasonable. If not, 
it's cool. I don't need it. I'm happy with the memory that I said hi to McFoley, for instance, you know. But this time at StarCast, they announced Lance Archer being with Warrior Wrestling. And I was like, dude, that needs to happen. Like, out of all the meet and greets, Cody, Bucks, Kenny, etc., Lance Archer is the one that's really stuck out to me where I was like, this has to happen. So we got uh, meet and greet tickets for Lance Archer, and we went and met him and talked to him for a bit. And he was so sweet, which is so funny because he plays such a dastardly heel who terrifies small children, by the way, and spits water at people. But in person, he's just the kindest, nicest person ever. So he tried to crush my head. And we took a picture, and that was great, and uh, got some autograph signs. And then uh, I had Jim Ross about at the same time. So I quickly went from there to the Jim Ross line. And that was hilarious because I was wearing a Golden Lover shirt, and more or less because it actually fit. <laughs> I was really happy that it fit. So I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to wear my Golden Lover shirt. Go there, and as soon as I walk up, he's like, all right, so what's with the Golden Lovers? And I was like, oh, my gosh. Okay, well, um, you know, it's Kenny Omega and Coda Bush. He's like, no, no, I know it's Kenny and Coda, but why, why do they call it Golden Lovers? And I'm like, oh, my God, I've got this meet and greet for, like, three minutes. How the hell am I going to explain to an old conservative southern man the concept of the Golden Lovers mm-hmm. in, like, 30 seconds? <laughs> but I did. I did. It was basically, you know, Kenny and Coda, they're golden because they're amazing and incredibly talented. And they are shining lights in the wrestling world. And it's a play off of the Golden Star, which is Kota Ibushi's moniker. And, you know, they've got a 10-year partnership. And when you're wrestling in a tag team where you understand each other so well that you're basically one of the same person, that's a bond that is stronger than anything. And so they're called the Golden Lovers. And he's like, all right, well... I don't know. <laughs> I'm just like, all right. <laughs> so that was how I, I fumbled through how to explain the Golden Lovers to Jim Effing Ross during a meet and greet at StarCast, which is, I, I think there's a picture that is circling around now of me like just laughing because this is so crazy and him just like throwing his hands up like, I don't know, <laughs> which is basically reflective of how that conversation went. It was great, and he was lovely. It has become one of the funniest memes because <laughs> it, it, it's like they've changed the bottom to like, well, you didn't know AJ Styles? You know, and they just, so many different ones. Uh, it was very it was very funny, and I, it was the expression on his face, and yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jim Ross, Jim Ross, Jim Ross is an amazing meet. He's one of those people that has seen everything, heard everything, and you know when you meet him, he's very nice. But he's seen everything, he's heard anything, everything. You're not really gonna say anything to Jim Ross that you know he hasn't heard or seen before. I mean, seriously, he's seen Ric Flair's testicles like quite a bit because you know Ric Flair <laughs> likes to whip them out. He he mentions that quite a bit on his show. <laughs> So it's like, yeah, so it's like you go up to him, it's like, I don't know what to say, and then it's like, okay, oh, okay, I'm talking to I'm talking to my uncle. What's going on? Yeah, no, he for real though, yeah. I will say every single person you go up there for a meet and greet and you're like, like you said, what am I gonna say to Jim Ross, right? Yeah. 
And then you go up there and suddenly you just find yourself in a conversation with him. He had a, like, one-on-one conversation with every single person there about wildly different things. And while for him, he may have heard everything and seen everything and done everything, but for every single person who got a meet and greet with Jim Ross, they walked away with a memory and a moment of something that they will never get just, you know, from looking at a picture or listening to an interview. They got something really personal that he really cared about giving to them, which was awesome. Yeah, um, I remember my first time meeting him. Actually, we're both from, I work in Norman, Oklahoma. He lives in Norman, Oklahoma. But the first time I ever met Jim Ross was in San Jose, California, which is the weirdest thing. So I tell him, you know, when we go to the meeting, I tell him I'm from Norman. and, And the first thing he does, like I talk about wrestling, he goes, "What do you do for a living?" You know, and I was like, "Oh, I'm an IT guy." Oh, so you're one of the smart people, and he starts talking to me about computers a little bit, and completely unique experience. I'll never forget it because he started asking me about me. That's cool. Yeah, it was like it wasn't about him. It was like, "Oh, so what do you do? How long you been watching?" Blah blah blah. I was like, "I grew up on you in Mid South." you know, WCW, you know, or NWA territory. And he was like, yeah, those was some good times. And it was just, but after that, it was all about asking about me. And then when I met him again in, uh, at WrestleCon, in, and this one was in Oklahoma City, and he remembered me. He's like, did we meet in California? I was like, what? <laughs> that was like a couple years before. And it was like, and he remembered me. So it was just like one of those things. It's just like, very unique experience. I think Jim Ross is a meet and greet everyone should do. You're like, I know you're making yes. your list and you're thinking Cody, Kenny, all those. Do those. Those are great. But if you can throw in one with Jim Ross, do it. It's a unique experience every time. I, I hope oh, I didn't just. Put, I hope I didn't just put too much pressure on Jim Ross. <laughs> <laughs> and the people who take the photos take candid photos too. So it's not even, at least the person in Chicago, but I imagine it's going to be the same. You know, people are just taking photos because that's kind of how you do it now, right? Yes. And that photo that ended up being a meme was a candid photo. So, you know, having those memories be encapsulated in fun ways is really, really great. And he is, he's a legend. He's awesome. It was great to talk to him. And, you know... I don't think I'll ever find myself trying to fumble my way through an explanation of the Golden Lovers with somebody yes. wrestling yes. ever again. So that was really, really cool. Yes, it it, it is really, really cool. I uh, like I said, good old Jr. is awesome. Uh, and yes. yeah, yeah. Um, but the way they did it this time, it's and, and I remember Starcast one. And I'm definitely going to, this is me definitely putting them over right now. And I don't get free anything from them. I don't get media. I don't get anything. This is from a person, a consumer's experience. StarCast won. It was their first time doing it. It was disorganized. It was kind of renegade, almost called, almost like a, like a, like a flea market kind of con. And it was great. Don't get me wrong. I met a shit ton of people. I got all my meet and greets done. They took care of me. Starcast 2 in Vegas, because there were two different locations, guess definitely less crowded, a little bit more organized, right? This one ran uh, ran like a machine. Everyone knew where you were supposed to go, what lines you were in. Platinum people had their section. Gold people had their section for the events. 
they had t- there was a couple scheduling time things, but that was because of a big part of their weekend was the Moxley thing. It was like a two-hour block, the Moxley thing, and unfortunately, you know, stuff they can't control. He couldn't uh, be there, so they had to basically make up a two-hour block. So we got Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross, two freaking legends in wrestling, doing a panel. Just pretty much shooting the shit. Talking about how Tony Schiavone uh, came to work for AEW, and then I guess DDP came up, and he and he did his thing, and it was great. And it was just like... but. They made up for everything. I've already got my refund for my. I got already got my refund for my Moxley, and it was just like everything just kind of ran like a you know like a top. It was just exactly what we wanted. Dude, that's awesome. And I, I got to say, Tony Schiavone is hilarious. We did the karaoke Starcast thing, um, and Allison, one of the runners of Starcast, she's the fabulous badass woman who rocks the information desk with Mark, two power couples of StarCast. But we did karaoke with Tony Schiavone, and I got to say, that dude is professional AF when he's doing the Road 2 promo stuff, backstage AEW things. He's professional. He's polished. He He's awesome. You get that dude with a couple of drinks and a microphone, and holy wow, totally different person, but absolutely legendary. That dude's got a mouth. He's yes. Got a yes. 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 <laughs> first, hilarious. first experience. We did a meet and greet, and it was just like, and, and um, I, um, Ryan, my friend Ryan, he actually listens to the podcast, so he knew it. But I didn't listen to the podcast much, so I'm getting up there, and every other word out, his mouth's an F-bomb. And I'm like, huh. Yes, but it's an F-bomb in the Tony Schiavone voice, you know, because it's like the voice you've heard doing wrestling stuff, and it's like he gets to talking, and it just sounds like, it almost sounds like he's commentating, but with the word fuck a lot. oh my gosh that guy is hilarious we got a great picture with him after the karaoke thing because you know this also happened at the starcast in vegas when i go to starcast i look for a place to get down and start dancing and in vegas that was the papa buck jam session and in chicago that was the karaoke night we were dancing the whole front row just going nuts the entire time we felt like we were at a concert it was great it was so much fun. And then after the show, uh, we ran into him at the bar. And he was like, dude, you guys were so fun. And I was like, yay, this was great. I loved it. So if they do another Shivani karaoke session, like, dude, don't miss that. Because it's ridiculous. There's debauchery, and at least in vocal form. <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite a lot of fun. Was there any events that you went to at StarCast that really stuck out as something that was really memorable? I know you did. You went to the Wrestling with Stereotypes. Yes, that uh, was very, very powerful. Very. uh, I I mean, I don't use that word like that a lot because there is a fun weekend. Uh, You know, it's a fun weekend. But it was a serious topic, but they managed to do it in still a lighthearted, laughing way. And you got... To see, you know, everyone's different experiences being African-American 
uh, going into wrestling. And generally, you know, a lot of times where you get to promoters and they want you to play different stereotypes and how playing against those stereotypes work, you got to find out, like, who their legends, like, who who they looked up to, like Scorpio Sky. Everyone knows he's a Bret Hart guy, but they didn't, you know, most people don't realize the reason he kind of got in wrestling was Muhammad Ali is what he said. Cause Muhammad Ali was such a, a large and in life character. Then big swole, you know, you found out that, you know, she's just like, she's like, swole is me. Swole is honest. Swole is anything. It's just turned up to a thousand. She's like, it's who I am. Nyla working, you know, how Nyla uh, got into the business. It was just like, and then you got a private party and how they were affected and how they're, uh, you know, getting to the business. Now that there's a lot, a lot more acceptance, how their experience has been different. You know, he's like, uh, the funniest story they told is they got in a wrestler, a rest, uh, they were going to show a company that's no longer there. And they said, we don't, we want you to be the young thugs. And it was supposed to be like the black version of the young bucks, but we want you to be the young thugs and they experience about not playing that. And they wouldn't do that and how they actually do have the ability to say no now. And then there was a topic about the magic person, Hulk Hogan. Oh, God. And I was waiting on that because I, I definitely have a different take on Hulk Hogan than everyone else. But I wanted to hear what other everybody else's take on Hulk Hogan was. And, and it was very good to hear an open dialogue about such things. And it was great. It was great. I had a great time. Got to talk to the guy that uh, did it and put on the, the that at the end and told him how much I enjoyed it and how much I'm looking forward to it at the next StarCast. So hopefully they have it at StarCast 4. That is awesome, man. You know, and I got to say, like, I know we've we've put over StarCast quite a bit. I will not stop shilling for StarCast. I don't get paid for this. I don't get anything for this. Yeah. But it's so much fun and so unique and filled with so much variety there are thought-provoking panels, there's fun dance parties, there's great meet-and-greets, there's meet-and-greets that are just happening in the hallway. Like, I saw Tony Schiavone and Marco Stunt go at it on a stairwell. <laughs> Tony won, but Marco said he's going to get him next time. Oh, yes. I'm pretty sure that happened. Yes. You know, like, it's, it's just fun and incredible, and it's something that you're never going to forget. I'm going to remember these two StarCast experiences. For the rest of my life, and it's going to be amazing. Yeah, and they're um, so unique. I can say different experiences from each one. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I can't wait to see what they do in Baltimore because you know when Conrad says that he's not going to do another Starcast, that he's totally going to do another Starcast. <laughs> absolutely. So he, said that he was done, and then it was like, cool, man. Where's the fourth one? Like, you know. And actually, that was really funny because I read on Twitter that he said he was done. As I was talking to people, and they're like, "No, there's totally another one in the works already." I was like, "I knew it." <laughs> yes, I'm hoping we get. I'm, I'm hoping we get the roast the flare at that one. I know that was a big oh, one. Yes. So, so since yeah. we're already platinum them up, I'm like, "Come on, give me the roast the flare." <laughs> Hell yeah! All right, man. Well, so we've talked a lot about Starcast, which was amazing. Let's hit into. All Out, which is what we were there for, of course, obviously with StarCast 2, but All Out is the main attraction, and it was incredible. The first thing I want to say is, just like with StarCast, having thousands of people 
in the same area with the same hyped energy, with the same electricity in the air of excitement and happiness is a wonderful, thrilling addiction that I am happy to enable for myself because it's wonderful. It's wonderful to be in this arena with people who are excited about the show, excited about AEW, excited about particular matches, and talking with this buzz about who they want to see there. And, and it's just so wonderful to be around so many excited, positive, happy, thrilled fans. Yes, and uh, I will say this this uh, wrestling event, it was wholly unique for me. I have been to hundreds of wrestling events in my life. I've been to the WrestleManias, and I'm not saying this to brag. I'm really not. I'm, I'm getting to a point. I've been to all the major four for the WWE. 100,000 people in stadiums, 200 people in the audience. I've only like set first row at really, really small, uh, small like local companies and stuff. Well, this was my first experience, first row at a major event, and I will tell you. Now, I, I will tell you, was this the greatest wrestling show I've ever been to? No, it was the greatest wrestling experience I'd ever had. I just, it's one of those things. That if I ever got first row again, and I knew one of my friends had never experienced it, and I'm not just saying this, I 100% mean this, I would give them the ticket. Because it's one of those things I would, it's one of those things I just think everyone should experience. We saw you up in the front row, and Andy and I were so giddy for you guys because we saw you right next to tiffany yes and so we were like oh my god there's our friends they're right there because we were a few rows back behind you yes section definitely and so we and you can't miss andy (laughs) (laughs) yes so so it makes it really easy to find you so it makes it really easy to find you so (laughs) so a question for you yeah did cody high five you yes yes he did Yes, uh, Cody. Oh man, I had two Cody things. He high five. He high fived us uh, when he was leaving or whatever. And then I didn't get to go to the Paul's thing Sunday. And uh, Tiffany had a picture of Cody, and then you could see me in there. And he's he, apparently he said, "Who's this guy? Who's that guy?" He he's like, "I like that guy. He's ever everything, or something oh. like that." <laughs> yeah, so I had my my extra Cody moment of the weekend, and it was like, yeah, but yeah, uh, c- completely different experience, and it's like I've been, like I said, to WrestleManias, a lot of friends, but it felt like when you, I was turning around, every section of every corner of the arena, we, I knew someone, and like not just oh I've seen that person before. Like we've had conversations, we've stood in line together. I can tell you who their favorite wrestler is. I can tell you what drink they like. I can tell you what food you saw. People that you have made genuine connections with at every section of the arena. That's Absolutely. crazy. Yeah, well, and in the StarCast sections, too, because we've done the StarCast bundle for each show, which has worked out really well, because so far, up until today for Full Gear, we actually were completely unable to get tickets at all. So just by that itself, getting tickets to the show was worth it. But they're always really great seats for the show, super close to the ring, just maybe one to three rows off the floor. Yeah. They're awesome, awesome seats. And 
you are, because you're in the StarCast bundle, you're hanging out with people that you've been hanging out with all weekend. Absolutely. So it's amazing. Yeah, I turned around, and I see you, and then just like two rows of, and I see my brother, you know, just there. You know, the person Aww. that got me into this. And it's like, and then I'm sitting next to Tiffany, who, good Lord, I don't know how we became close friends that fast. That just doesn't happen. Like, we didn't, we met in, I think we met for the first time in, no, like, at uh, NWA 70. And we hung out, I think, like, really for the first time at, uh, at um, what is it, Double or Nothing. And it's just like, oh, now we're sitting together at shows. It's like, it's crazy the family that I have. And, it, and that's what it is. It's family. I mean, that, that's what it's become. And it's just like, I don't know. This whole elite thing, I, I mean, I hope it lasts 20 years. But if it lasts 20 more minutes, it will be one of the best experiences of my life. 100%. 100%. This family is awesome. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the show itself. Yes. So we're just going to run down the card. We're going to hit up, you know, who won and some awesome moments. I cannot wait to hear from you on uh, a couple of these matches. So we're going to just start. All right. Casino Battle Royale. We've got a few key moments here. We've got Mercedes Martinez debuting with the Joker draw at the end of the Casino Battle Royale. We've got Big Swole coming out to huge chance, huge moments. She's absolutely awesome. OBD, the, the, or ODB, the crowd is obsessed with her, and she is so fun. She's coming out there with swagger. She's drinking. She's not messing around with anyone. She's great. B, uh, B Priestley and Britt Baker get caught up in a feud on the sidelines, and you can tell that they are building up a storyline while the Battle Royale is actually happening, which is awesome. And you have Nyla Rose, who came out at the very beginning. She was in the Battle Royale for the entire duration of the Royale itself. She and Awesome Kong have this moment where everybody is just like, holy shit, this is actually happening. I know I was freaking out. I was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. I think Andy was talking to somebody at that moment, and I like elbowed him, and I was like, dude! Look, <laughs> like this is amazing. Yes, um, that uh, line with jazz was uh, it was Jazz, ODB, yeah. Nyla, and Awesome Kong. All they've been booked as monsters. That was the reason they had that moment, and they're all looking yeah. at each other, and they're all about to kill each other. Jazz has this amazing presence. Jazz is maybe five, 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 six, but she has a presence that she's like seven two, especially Wait, with that. She's five, five or five six. Yeah, she's not very tall. What? <laughs> oh my god! No, I, but you're totally right. This speaks to your point because she looks and acts like a freaking monster. Yes, dude. she has a presence that is of a badass, and it's like yeah. there, there's not a lot of people, a lot of, lot of people. I say they just have that mystique about her. She has the mask and she takes it off, and she's bald, and she has the scowl on her face, and it's just like. Okay, she's about to kill someone. And then she gets in the Ooh. ring, and you like, and she stands up against Nyla Rose and an awesome Kong who got a good six, five, six inches on him a piece. And you like, <laughs> you still think she might win? <laughs> no, because she's such yeah. a badass. And it was just that moment of her looking and all of them. And I was just like, dude, I was like, presence. And I was like, I feel like, even though she was booked kind of well, I feel like she came along about. 
10 or 15 years too late, uh, later than she would. Because I think if we got younger Jazz during this period of wrestling, she'd be one of the biggest stars in the world. Dude, I am just excited to see her because yeah. I loved watching her walk down the ramp. Dude. I loved watching her square up with Nyla and Awesome Kong. Yes. And I'm just like, holy crap, I can't believe she's five, 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 six. That's nuts. Because yeah. she seems so big. Yes. She's so fierce. And like, dude, give me all these badass monster ladies just scowling at each other and taking each other down because I'm for it. That was amazing. And I'm like, in that moment, there was nothing I wanted more than Nyla Rose and Awesome Kong to square up and go after each other, and it was freaking amazing. So, the internet actually has Jazz at 5'3". <laughs> She's shorter than me! I'm tall! <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, yes, that's funny. <laughs> now, like I said, she might be 5'5". Five, five. The internet's not 100% right. No, no, we're sticking to 5'3". I'm 5'4". Yeah. I'm yes. taking this one. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing yes um, all right so i'm excited to see jazz though at AEW to see what else she does if they have her involved more in the women's division or in pre-show or battle royales or whatever facet they have her there oh. i am excited to see more of her but this casino battle royale moment was nyla rose's moment yes this woman came out there she was there during the entire duration of the battle royale we talked a little bit about this before we went on the air, which is actually why we started recording immediately because we were like, dude, we're having too much fun talking. We should be recording this. Yes. <laughs> um, one of the things that I noticed at All Out was there actually is a stark improvement in Nyla Rose's ring work. Yes. So you, know, you can tell that she is a newish wrestler, especially compared to all these veterans that they have. And that's kind of the point with AEW is that they're bringing people to light that they see huge promise and potential in that they've been watching. So, you know, watching Nyla Rose kind of grow up very fast in the span of just a few short months of AEW pay-per-views, she suddenly had more athletic moves. She had a, a more endurance because she was there for the whole battle royale, but we'll talk about that more in a minute. But really, the point of it is, is that you can tell that she is doing the work constantly. She has to be training constantly because her improvement show to show has been noticeable and it's awesome. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, some of the moves that she's used like in the, the different shows before, then you see them now, they look a lot more crisp. She had, to, to me, one of the spots of the night uh, when... Uh, they B and Britt were going like they were going to spear her through the ropes, and she uh, did the little kick thing where she got on the, uh, one one arm and then kicked the other one in the head. And I was like, yeah. it didn't. I was like, it didn't look probably as good as she wanted it to, but it was fucking impressive. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking about when I was talking about the ring work. I'm like, damn, this girl has been working it. Yes, and you know, like I said, it and you know. And she'll keep getting better and she'll keep working with people because what's about to happen is they're going to be working weekly. And you know what? When you work with really talented people, you catch up, you adjust, uh, you adjust to how talented they are. And she and not to say she is not talented. It's just the people that she had might be more experienced. She is still very green. So I'm uh, I thought she looked really impressive in this one. Absolutely. And, you know, they've, they've got her now in the Women's World Championship spot. And the reality is with Nyla Rose, 
she is their big, badass, powerful, dominant force. Yes, they have Awesome Kong, but so far I haven't seen, I don't know if Awesome Kong is going to be a regular feature of the women's division or if she's going to come out for special moments um, or, you know, Brandy and Allie and Aja and Awesome all have this thing that they're working on too. So AEW needs to have some of those big beast people, whether it's yeah. in the men's division or the women's division. And Nyla Rose, I mean, she is the beast. That's literally her moniker. And she does that really well. She does those big, you know, choke slams really well. She does the big cl- uh, clotheslines really well. She does those big power moves. And she's getting so much better at those, too. But she does that really well. So this solidifies her as a force for that belt for the title match. So this is going to be a really, really great matchup with whoever, you know, ends up, obviously, as we go through the card, we'll know who that is. <laughs> but whoever ends up having to tackle the beast and take her down will be the next worthy contender for that title. And I love that kind of story. Yes, um, I I do too. Uh, I just, like I said, it's just one of those things. You decide who you're going with and you go with it. You come up with a plan. Uh, there's a person that's no longer with the company that a lot of people thought was going to be the vocal point of the company. So AEW's had to adjust. I don't know if this was the plan all the time for Nyla. I don't know if they decided to go another way because of how they had to adjust. You just gotta, you, you have to give it time. As much as, like, I, I said this before the show, as much as it seems like this sh- people have been around forever, this was show five. Let the artist paint. I, Cody said that. Sometimes you got to let them paint the picture and then decide if you like it. Well, this, this picture is only 1% done. It's five shows. You don't, you don't even know what it is yet. We don't know what AEW is yet. It's just you got to let it develop. Yeah, we're just getting started. And yes, Britt Baker and Allie and B. Priestley and all of these other people are amazing. But they've also got other storylines developing with them. So it's really great to see other kinds of features. So, you know, who knows what's in store for the women's division? Because we'll find out with AEW on TNT they have, we start having these matches. They have four women's feuds right now already. You have, you have of course, Nyla and Rio for the title. Now you have Britt and B. Which they got to deal with their things. Brandy and Allie got beef. And then you got uh, Awesome Kong uh, versus Aja Kong, which is a thing. And they've been uh, teasing kind of Awesome Kong and Nyla Rose. So you got five if you think about it. Only Dude, one has Swole to do with it. Yeah. Sorry, Big Swole was calling out Nyla on Twitter too. So now you got six. <laughs> yeah, and only one has to do with the title. Where do you get that in any other company? Tell me the feud that doesn't have anything to do with the title. I'm just going to use this as an example in the WWE because they're the most visible. There aren't any feuds, women's feuds, that don't have to do with the belt. It's either you're going for the belt or you're irrelevant. In this case, that's not the case when it comes to AEW. That's how they're going to be different. I think the best booked wrestling as far as women is Impact. So I'm thinking that's what AEW should be shooting for because you do get a lot of feuds that have nothing to do with the title. And I think that's how you build a division. Absolutely, man. I hadn't even thought of it in that context, but you are 100% right. Because if you just put all of your stock into two women, when you've got a whole division of women, that's doing a massive disservice to your roster. 
But when you've got, you know, highlighted feuds of awesome people, you know, fighting on the sidelines while there's a battle royale going on and the winner is a completely different person than the ones that are fighting on the sidelines, suddenly you've got your attention split in different ways and you're getting excited about lots of different things all at once. So that's awesome. Yeah. I'm excited for Nyla Rose. Um, This is going to be great. And Britt Baker and B Priestley. I cannot wait to yes. see that feud. Oh my god, I want to see them tear each other's hair and throat out like so bad. <laughs> yes, and Brandy's relationship with Awesome Kong is intriguing to the least. You know, you like you don't know what their relationship is. So, you you know, watching that progress and whether Awesome Kong's going to be fine being Brandy's second or or Brandy going to want more. It's it 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 all works. And like I said, I you know, in that battle royal, I went from uh before the battle royal and I'll be 100% honest, thinking AEW has not done a great job featuring their women's division to how many threads and stories and past they set up during that battle royal to like, oh, this is going to be really really good. Absolutely. That's so awesome. Um, Let's take a look at Private Party and and Helico and Jack Evans. So Private Party, excuse me, they are so over, so over. They are like crowd favorites whenever they get in the ring. And it is so fun to watch because I'm still, admittedly for myself, getting to know them. But man, when their music hits, I'm dancing. I'm having a great time in the crowd. They run out, they start just blowing everyone away all over again with their moves. And Helico and Jack Evans, likewise, they're amazing. They're also heels. So, like, they're doing heelish things. And I'm, like, torn between booing them and then also cheering for them. But Private Party is just like, oh, my God, they are amazing. They're stealing the hearts of the crowd wherever and whenever they wrestle. It is fantastic. They end up taking the win here, much to the delight of the crowd. And honestly... This was still in the buy-in, and I'm sitting here thinking while this match is going on, what more perfect way could you end the buy-in to entice people to check out your pay-per-view than having this badass tag team wrestling match come on? Yeah. Like, it was so perfect. Yeah, and the last time they wrestled, I thought thought Quinn, uh, Mark Quinn, was clearly the star of the tag team. You got way more personality from Isaiah Cassidy this time. Isaiah Ca- Cassidy is um, the best way to use the lighter skin toned one, and the one that uh, that doesn't have the blonde hair. Well, like it was like okay, well it's Quinn, and then the other guy's kind of his partner. Well, even from the entrance, you saw more uh, personality from Isaiah Cassidy, and that was something you were talking about: is watching people grow up. You could you could actually see from the entrance on that he knew that he had to kind of turn up his character a little bit because, you know, he was going to be the Marty Jannetty. You know, he's going to be the second guy that nobody pays attention to. He wrestled most of this match. He got a lot of the high spots. It They were really focusing on Isaiah Cassidy being an equal part of the tag team and seeing a lot more of who he was in this. That's actually a note I took down on my phone during the show that he just, he looked more, just considerably more than he did the last time I saw him wrestle. Oh, man, he was so good, and I am so excited. Like, watching a match like that and then thinking about the tag team tournament that they have coming up, 
Oh my God, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be so fun seeing people like them just rock their way through it. Um, speaking of tag teams, then we had SCU and Jurassic Express. Now, this was really interesting because <laughs> Jurassic Express, we got a boy, a boy, and his dinosaur um, called out when we were watching it. And then uh, when we watched back on the broadcast, it was like, oh, Jurassic Express. We also saw this really awesome camera, like shaky cam. I hate shaky cam. It sucks. But man, if you're going to use shaky cam to mimic Jurassic Park for Jurassic Express's entrance, hell yeah, dude. Do that every single time. That was amazing. That was super cool. So we've got this new tag team, Jurassic Express. This is Luchasaurus, Marco Stunt, Jungle Boy. They are so over, it's ridiculous. Like, people chanting Luchasaurus, you feel that in your bones. You feel it shaking your rib cage. It's amazing. People chanting for Jungle Boy. People chanting for Marco. Like, they're so high energy, so fun. But it was really interesting to see, like, is SCU going to be, like, kind of heelish in this match? Because, you know, you don't necessarily always have to have heels and faces. But it works really well when you know who you're supposed to cheer for and who you're going to boo for. So SCU were amazing in this match. They did end up bringing out some heelish antics to the point where we started chanting. And I don't know if this ended up going through the arena. But we started chanting SC Boo. <laughs> Just as a fun way to acknowledge the fact that they were kind of being a little dastardly in this match. But they were fantastic. They pulled out the victory. And... You know, it, it just makes me want to see Jurassic Express come out on top even more, like constantly. I don't know what their record is, but I don't feel like they've got a strong record. And I want to see them kind of do this Kenny Omega thing where they don't start out strong, but then they climb their way up to the top through victory. Uh, I when you want to do a wrestling match perfectly, the winner and the loser get over. That's what, that's a perfect wrestling match, you know. And not, it might not be five stars, but that's the idea of a wrestling match, you know. To even the loser sometimes gets over. In this match, that was perfect. And SEU, uh, Ring Generals, uh, CD's been around forever, putting together a matches forever. In this match, SEU were the team that won. But who got all the offense in the match? It was it, it, man. This match was made. For Jurassic Express to get over. And they did. And Lucha, Luchasaurus is. He is on a meteoric rise. I can truly say. This is their first test. What happens. When a guy that wasn't in your plans. To get super over. Is now over. What are you going to do with that. This is their. I remember Zack Ryder, and this is their Daniel Bryan. It's like people that weren't in the plans to get over, are you going to just stick to your plan, or are you going to adjust? Because Luchasaurus looks like a million bucks. And he, yeah. he and like, I know SCU did everything they can, they could to make him look good, but he looks like a giant. He looks fast. He looks agile. He looks like, you know, the perfect wrestler. And his gimmick might not work anywhere else but to this hardcore fan base in AEW it is amazing and it is magic and we love him and he's our guy right now I mean a lot of people are like they're cheering from and it was like Scorpio Sky is amazing I'm not taking away from anywhere else but I think 
I feel like at the meeting before this match, they looked at each other and said, we're going to make Luchasaurus look really, really good. And they did. Yes. (laughs) They did. Well, and that dude's a draw, too. And I will tell you how I know this, because he drew me into an indie show here in Mesa. He's going to be out here, I think, September 14th. I think it's CFWAZ or something like that. And I've heard of this promotion, but I've never gone. It's local. And he's going to be there. And I was like, wait, dude, Luchasaurus is going to be here? Oh, hell yeah. I'm getting front row tickets right now. Right effing now. And we did. So, like, this dude, (laughs) for me, went from, like, a guy where I saw him come out at, like, the Battle Royale at Double or Nothing. I'm like, who the hell is this dinosaur-looking dude? End of that show. Oh, my God. I love the dinosaur guy. He's my favorite thing ever. And now he's, like, one of the most over teams. Him and Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt. Marco Stump is another one of those people where you're just like, who is this guy? He's just a little dude running around, like, dancing, and then he gets thrown around out of the ring. Okay, that's his thing. But no, you actually get to see him get a little bit of offense in, and yes, there's comedy with him because he's so little. But he's also good. I didn't know he was good. I I don't mean that in an offensive kind of way at all. Um, So I, I apologize if that does offend anybody. But my only exposure to him has been with All In up until now. So getting to see him really wrestle was really cool. He's fun. Yes, he's very fun. And he, he has this way of selling, this the walk thing that he does. And the, he has this good job of doing this dead look in his eyes. He makes everyone else, I know he's small, but he still makes what they do impactful by how he sells it. It's like, I because me, I, didn't, I don't really get him. But I'm not one of those people when I don't get something, I go shit on it. I'm one of those people, if I don't get something, I start paying more attention. Because I want to see what my friends, the people that I trust and like wrestling, see in them. So I looked and I'm like, dude, he sells like a badass. And every move he does, because he's so much smaller than the other person, looks more impactful. So it does, is, uh, it does... I see the value that he adds. And, you know, if you're trying to build a hill, there's no bigger dick than the guy that pushes down the smallest dude in the ring. Hundred percent. So I see, I, I went in like, I don't know. I see his value. I see what he brings to the company now. Yes. You know, and I got to say that, you know, you say that when there's not something that you necessarily get, you pay more attention to it. That's exactly how I treated the Cracker Barrel Clash. So, like, hardcore wrestling is not my jam, like, at all. There was um, a CZW show, I think, that was happening during StarCast Weekend in Chicago that a lot of people went to. And I'm like, dude, light tubes? Nah. Like, nails? Nah. Thumbtacks? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> like, it's just not my thing. Yeah. I love that lots of people like it, and that's great. That's awesome. It just, it's not my thing. So this was actually a match where, and this is a confession, where, uh, you know, I was looking at it and I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll get up and kind of stretch my legs. And then I was like, no, no, I'm going to sit, I'm going to sit here, I'm going to stay here, watch this match and see how it plays out. Like, I came here, I want to do this, we're going to rock it out, right? Um, this ended up being my second favorite match on the entire card. I freaking loved this match so much. The first setup, when you have... Darby Allen's music drop and it sounds so badass 
and you've got Jimmy Havoc's music. And it sounds so badass, like this goth industrial darkness that's just imposing and brooding and awesome. And then you've got Joey Janela, who's like this California like party animal guy. I don't know exactly what he is, but, you know, it's it sets up this crazy vibe where you don't know what to expect. And of course, you've got the Cracker Barrels and they're getting smashed and dumped in and used as weapons. And also how great for Cracker Barrel to have a sold out arena literally chanting Cracker Barrel (laughs) through the match. But you've also got moments where they all get to shine in different ways. And I think that for me, like the best thing about this match was that, yes, it had duct tape to chairs and bumps onto a dude that was strapped into a chair. And yes, it had mouths full of thumbtacks that were duct tape closed and yes it had a skateboard that had thumbtacks that was used to ollie onto joey janela's back and yes darby allen went through a cracker barrel and almost killed himself but in this hardcore wrestling match i as a viewer as somebody who doesn't like hardcore wrestling felt safe watching it i felt like it was just hardcore enough for it to have all of the elements of it, but that they weren't setting out to actually destroy each other. And this was an amazing match because I felt safe enough to enjoy it. Yeah, I I can agree with that. It was, it was, there's this area, like WWE does hardcore, and it seems like the safest hardcore ever. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's still cool. Don't I, I love it. I want to make that clear. I have no problem with the WWE. I mean, it's a, a brand I love. Well, there's their hardcore, which is re- relatively clean, relatively safe. It's PG. Then there is deathmatch that you see on the internet hardcore, where the person is bleeding profusely and they look like they're going to die. They're they basically they all look like Cody from Double or Nothing. Well, AEW, I feel, has found a great middle ground where it is sufficiently hardcore, but not gory. Where you're, again, I honestly don't think it was the most hardcore match of the night, honestly. No. But but it did still set its standard of what it needed to be to be effective and good. Now, I am a person that likes Jimmy Havoc and gets Jimmy Havoc. I know there's some people that don't. I like and get Jimmy Havoc. Again, but there were three people pretty much like that in this match. There are some people that don't get Joey Janela. You know, he just kind of exists to them. So everybody had their own piece. And then Darby Allin, a lot of people, everyone agrees he's an amazing wrestler, but not a lot of people, you know, necessarily get his character. So it was like this mixed match of people that almost counterculture. They are counterculture people. And it was hardcore enough to keep me entertained. Like, I kind of thought I was going to check out during this match, right? Even in the, even in the first row or whatever, I pretty much assumed I was going to check out. I did not at all. I uh, I did see the skateboard under the ring before, and I had no idea tax were on it. That was awesome uh, when they did that part to the point where Tony Hawk actually tweeted about that move. Yes, that was amazing. And how freaking 
mind-blowing must it be for Darby Allen to have someone like Tony effing Hawk yes. retweet and talking about his spot in this match. Oklahoma's own Tony Hawk. I just want to throw that out there. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he tweets about it. So, you know, his followers see and they're like, so this wrestling company's using skateboards? I'm just saying that definitely some visibility and some people that have probably would have never heard of AEW if Tony Hawk had done that. So this match was just cool. And the use of the barrels. And I heard somebody uh, complaining that they were clearly gimmick barrels. I'm like, I want them to be clear, yes, clearly gimmick please. barrels. Like, I want my wrestlers okay. to be safe. Yeah. If you want it to be an actual barrel that doesn't break, I want to know what's wrong with you. I mean, that's just personally, <laughs> I want it to be heavily gimmicked. I want every weapon they use to be gimmicked. Yeah. <laughs> it's a show. They're not trying to actually hurt each other. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, well, man. I don't want to be complicit to watching somebody <laughs> injure themselves. Yes. In a way where it's not like an accident from a bump or something. Like, I don't want to be a part of something where somebody, like, you know, breaks a bone because they got pummeled into an actual barrel. I'm good. I'm yes. good with the fake barrel. This was great. So it's supposed to be visually good. It's supposed to make a loud noise. And it exploded like a mother. And, you know, and then Darby did his d- trust fall with the barrel. Oh. That was freaking awesome. <laughs> oh that was freaking awesome. And it's just like, that's what you, that's what it's supposed to do. I thought it was a really good match. I Like I said, I was entertained. And, like I, and I didn't check out. Uh, I can't say that about, you know, everything, everything I watch, but that was great. It was a great. Yeah, 100%. And Darby Allen was over as hell. The crowd had him. He had the crowd in the palm of his hand. Jimmy Havoc wins, solidifying him as a great contender. Super happy with the outcome. Really happy with the story that's being built with Darby Allen as we get to know him. Joey Janela seems like he's already on his own solid footing. Like everybody knows who Joey Janela is. And, you know, if you don't, he's already got this crazy persona where he's like the party dude who's going to bring a bunch of kegs out and try to hit you with them. Yes. Like, that's how it works. This was a really, really fun match, and I was surprised at how much fun this match was for me. Now, the Omega Pac match, this was really fun, but on a different level. So this was supposed to be John Moxley against Kenny Omega. As we know, John Moxley had um, MRSA, he had a staph infection, he had to pull out due to injury. All right, so what are they going to replace it with? Almost immediately they announced the replacement of Pac, and that's like mind-blowingly awesome. This was the first time I had ever seen Pac wrestle a full match. I had seen a couple of clips and highlight reels, but this was the first time I really got to watch a full thing, and I got to watch it live. This match was amazing we got the one-winged angel teases we got the v triggers we got the you can't escape this was so good i love watching kenny omega matches he's so energetic he's so spastic he's so crazy he takes pain and then just uses it as fuel to just push even harder and that's what this match felt like i loved the ending of this match i was so shocked with how this match ended what where is your experience with this match and with the ending of it? Because I feel like when I went and checked Twitter, it was a very different response to how we felt, which was shocked, kind of mad, but not in a bad way. 
but mostly shocked and then really happy that we were so shocked because it was such a different outcome. And that in itself was exciting. Yes. Um, you know what's scary about this match? Watching it, and I thought the match was amazing. Clearly, like, if I did, you know, throwing out stars, I'd say it was clearly a four-star match. I felt like it was only, like, 40% of what they had that they could give us. You know what I mean? Yeah. I yeah. felt like they said – I felt like – I felt like something was being saved for later. And not just a little something, like a significant something was being saved for later. So I think they got another amazing match in the can. But I want to get to the point of this match. Honestly, when they named uh, named this match, and I was like, this is going to be a better wrestling match than what Omega and Moxley would have been. Now, Omega and Moxley is a dream match. This is a dream match. But as far as in-ring performances without a lot of weapons and stuff, I thought this was going to be a better wrestling match. And I wasn't disappointed. Pac has this presence about him now that he is the bastard Pac. He is very, he's like the walk and the scowl. And it was just, everything was down. His whole, like from the moment he came back out from down that aisle, it was like he was the bastard Pac, and you know he never he never goes out of it, and it's just amazing, like somebody to see somebody as engrossed in their character as they can possibly be, and his character is again a badass, and then Kenny Omega again spastic, like confident, confident, and then there was a spot where he tried to uh, do I believe it was a Hurricanrana. To Pac, I don't, I didn't write the spot down, and he flipped right out of it, and then it was like, oh, so this guy's for real. It was like that oh fuck moment, like oh, this guy's better than I thought he was, and I thought they sold that well. They told that story without saying a word. Kenny told it with his expression, you know, like this guy's better than I thought he was, and then they go back and forth, and that ending was so shocking. I didn't even know what happened. Dude, I was like, did he tap? Did he pass out? Did he what? What happened? (laughs) All I know is Pac won. And it was like. That was so shocking. Like the ripple effect through the arena was like everyone's hands go on their head. And they're like, what? And he didn't cheat. He didn't rake his eyes. He just beat Kenny Omega. So good. Yeah. So it's like and anyone that thinks. Oh, the EVPs are just going to push themselves to the limit. Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega. Kenny yep. Omega. He is one and two. He is put. You know, conversely, though, for people who are saying they're screwing Kenny, Kenny is they. Yeah. Kenny is a part of his own yeah. booking decision. Here's the best thing about Kenny Omega. The best thing about Kenny Omega is when Kenny goes on the chase. Yes. The best part of Kenny Omega, since I've been watching him in New Japan, was the build-up to that amazing historic match with Kazuchika Okada. Like, the chase of glory, the stumbles and the falls, the constant reminders that this world is moving at a million miles an hour and you are going to fall behind and die in the water unless you do the work to catch the hell back up and run faster. That is Kenny Omega. And that is the story that Kenny Omega is telling with his booking. So for anybody who's pissed off 
that Kenny Omega isn't on top right now because we all love to watch Kenny Omega. He's great. But that's the story that Kenny Omega is telling. That's the one that we are going to be watching this year so that when that payoff does finally happen, it is going to be a catharsis of euphoria around the entire arena watching him finally stake that claim, which to me is a hell of a lot more entertaining than just watching Kenny succeed all the time and be on top. Yes, because the problem is when you give the fans exactly what they want when they want it, they get bored of it and they turn the channel. It's just the way it is. I know it's satisfying at the moment, but you're like, well, what are they going to do next? Well, guess what? We're not giving you Kenny Omega as the AEW champion. He, You know what? We're going to make it seem like he's never going to become the AEW champion. <laughs> and we, so when he does become the AEW champion, you build up to a huge show. You have Omega versus Oh, Jericho or whoever he's going to wrestle against and you build it and you sell out the thing in four minutes because everybody needs to know if Kenny Omega is going to win the match. That, my friends, is this little thing we call pro wrestling. Yes. I don't give you what you want when you want it. I give you what you want when you need it. And oh my God, need it. Yes, and yes. Need oh. <laughs> to see Kenny in big match gear too. Yes. You need to see Kenny in the big match entrance where he carefully and creatively builds his own story through the entrance music and show. Yes. And his gear and everything. And oh you, my God. And have you noticed? And this is this is a thing, and I don't know if they're going to address it, but with AEW, they definitely address little things. Kenny has started losing because he does he doesn't have seconds anymore. In New Japan, he always had the Bucks on the outside of the ring. He always had Obushi on his outside of the ring. Well, in AEW, that whole dynamic has changed. There's nobody on the outside of the ring. It's just Kenny Omega, and he's struggling. Oh, alone. And, and he doesn't have Coda. And he doesn't have Coda. And now he's struggling. He's struggling oh, yeah. to find who he is. Come on. This is amazing. Dude, Kenny, I'm sorry, but I love it when you're all alone. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's great. And it's just like, yes. it's like you can tell that you can make the story whatever you want. But this, to me, seems like a clear one. His whole career, you know, all his big matches in New Japan, he's had someone in the outside watching his back, looking over him. No one's he's there now. been alone. Even yes. in the strife of the Bullet Club stuff. Yeah, he's yeah, always yeah. had, you know, his friends. And then Kota Ibushi, they reunited in the Golden Lover storyline that brought tears to everyone's eyes in Japan. Like, this dude is a masterful storyteller. It is not an accident that he is being booked like this. And it's not a they are doing it to him. This is Kenny's story that Kenny is telling as Kenny being an EVP in the company that Kenny is helping to build. This is Kenny's effing story, and it's going to be freaking awesome yes i'm just like like it's funny when they say they're screwing guinea and like what i like do you not know what his title is <laughs> i'm like it's working right yes it's like yes people who are so fervent and so yes yes here in that hope to see him you know yes his, his drive Yes. He's going to be cheering the loudest when he finally oh, gets it. Oh, my God. I'm going to be cheering just right along with him because my favorite, you know, my first match was Kenny Omega failing. 
Yep. Yes, my first in the my first Kenny Omega match was Kenny Omega losing to Okada. So he failed in the match that got me to start in New Japan. Until that year and a half build to Dominion, I was not fulfilled until he won the title. I'm not a huge Kenny Omega fan. Everyone knows I'm a Cody guy. But I was not fulfilled as a wrestling fan until he won that title at Dominion. Dude, I cannot wait yes. to see this story play out. Yes. He's a freaking masterful technician. It's going to be amazing. Yes. This is going to be great. Um, on the flip side, <laughs> the next match, we have Best Friends in Dark Order. Yes. Um, I was booing Dark yeah. Order as hard as I can. But I felt like you. I felt like I was the only person making any sound in this whole match. All right, I'm gonna say this about Dark Order, and this. Okay, let me figure out how to say this. Okay, I, I'm just gonna say it. All right, so best friends love them. Total baby faces in the match. Tons of energy. Dark Order people had not really much of a reaction to at first, and that sucks because. You know, I don't really know much about the Dark Order, and I don't feel like any of us have really gotten to know them yet, other than the fact that they're heels, and other than the fact that they have these weird, like, sewer creatures that, like, do dark and spooky things. Um, the best part of the Dark Order was when everybody took what the best friends had said in their promo buildup and called them the spooky perverts, and then took that as a chant and ran with that. That, to me, is awesome. I love that. They're actually pretty good. My favorite match of theirs was when they screwed over uh, Jurassic Express at Fight for the Fallen. They were in a match with Angelico and Jack Evans, Dark Order, Jurassic Express, and Jurassic Express is over as hell, and Helico and Jack Evans are doing cool flippy things. Dark Order is like, I'm going to do cool flippy things, and I'm going to stomp your guys' favorites. And they got over as heels in that match. I was really excited to see them in this match. But what I found is that we don't really know enough to feel much for them yet. And I'm hoping that having fun with the spooky perverts chant, especially since they came out on Twitter and were like, this chant is banned, guys. You can't use it. We don't like it. And I'm like, screw you. You tell me no, I'm going to do it even more. Um, I hope that that helps to get them over. Because I feel like we are going to see what AEW sees in them. And I feel like AEW has signed them for a reason. They see something in them that's amazing. And we just haven't gotten that to cinch just yet. But I think that it will. I mean, we've gotten to know Darby Allen a little bit more. We've gotten to know Nyla Rose a little bit more. We've gotten to know lots of people just a little bit more. I think we'll come with that time with the Dark Order too. But there was definitely a disparity in crowd reaction between them and the best friends that I think finally started coming around by the end of the match. I will tell you out of just like you have to build faces, just like you got to build page to what you want them to be. You got to build your heels, right? The dark order are a work in progress. They're one of the few groups or acts in this company that no one, a lot of people weren't familiar with before they started. Then they are the sci-fi characters. They work with the lights and all that kind of stuff. Which is 
kind of old wrestling. You know what I mean? So they are really different than what everybody else is being presented. So I am like, again, I'm good at that positive spin. I'm okay with the non-reactions for their first few uh, 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 shows because people are getting familiar with it. Now in the match, there was some little heel work, you know, with the, the you know, the, uh, them attacking, uh, them attacking trend on the outside. There was a little bit of that, but I think they need to turn up their heelish acts about 20% to get the reaction that they want. They're not yeah. overly heel enough to me. Yeah, well, it feels like they kind of came out, they cut the lights, they had the look. The look is intriguing, Yes, right? You've got, like, all these people who are slinking in synchronicity, and they're really good at quickly forming these elaborate kind of sculptures with a huge group of people. Um, so that's really intriguing and interesting. But it feels like we were just kind of presented with, here's a team, they're spooky, they're heels. Yes. And that was kind of it. And, like, I feel like I need to know more about them other than we will destroy you like we're teenage mutant ninja turtle villains um yes because because a lot of people have so many rich characters yeah a lot of not rich yet yeah a lot of people consider them one of the best tag teams in the world and i just like a lot of other people got the road to uh being the elite backstory they got the uh the video package or whatever because of what their character are, they're not going to get that. They're they're they really are playing. They're the character all the time. They're not playing. Well, I'm a character, but I'm also a person. So I think they are starting with a deficit that other people don't have to do. And I just because the Bucks believe in them, they're going to give them the room to grow. Now I can say I can say right now they might not be over now. They're not over now. But in six yeah. months, they might be one of the hottest heel tag teams in, in the company because yeah. you're just going to have to let them get the room to grow. They're going to do some messed up stuff to people, and you're just going to have to let that happen. Like I said, in this match, they could have been a little more heel. Yeah. That, I, I, we're I, great at Fight for the Fallen. I was expecting uh, to see some of that energy yes. here. I did, just didn't see it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, they're both very talented, and they know what the yep. hell they're doing. And the Bucks are booking the tag team division, so I have Dude, great faith. Have faith in what the Bucks, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the tournament sure. hasn't played out. They got the first round by, so that means you're probably not going to see them wrestle for the maybe the first week or two of TV until their match. So it's just like you know. Chill. I will say that with that in mind, I am excited to see them again. Yeah. I'm not, you know, completely indifferent to the Dark Order at all. I have hope for them, and I absolutely have faith in, you know, the Bucks and in AEW because they're they're putting people and they're putting stock in people that they believe in, and clearly they believe in these guys. And I think we're getting there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Either, I mean, um, like, I love the spooky perverts chant. That's like my favorite thing right now, and I'm happy to ride that till it dies. That's my favorite. But I also really loved them at Fight for the Fallen when they had high energy, surprising moves. I looked at them and I was like, "Damn, they're really good." Like they are. They're really good. I hope that with the tag team tournament, we'll get to see more of their character and more of their moves. Honestly, yes, because they're really good. 
I, I, and I completely agree with you. And I just think, I think we're seeing the beginning, still the beginnings of the Dark Order. And it's like, yes, if you go right now and say, are they over right now? No, they're not. But the company's not ending right now. You know, we get to watch them grow up. <laughs> we get to watch them grow up because <laughs> yep. you have to think this is their first time in a major company. You know, they're they're not Impact guys, they're not WWE guys. This is their first time really not being an indie tag team, so they have to learn how to adjust their act to a TV audience. Absolutely. Well, we'll get that Dustin Rhodes promo magic on him. Yes. He's coaching everybody in the background. Yes. I will say my favorite part of this match, though, obviously, I mean, not like the match itself was great, (laughs) but my favorite part was at the end when the lights go out and we're like, what the hell? That like, who else is coming out? And then the lights come back on and it's freaking Orange Cassidy in the ring. And then we're like, oh, my God, Orange Cassidy is teaming up with the best friends. How cool is that? Like, that is the perfect teaming that I've seen so far just happen with AEW. They're so perfect together. So he comes out, and he does his hands in the pockets, you know, flying through the ropes. Tiny little lazy thumbs up to the crowd. Sunglasses (laughs) never came off. How does he do that? How? I don't know. Yes, I don't know. It is crazy because <laughs> he did the nip up, and I was like, "Dude, I can't get up from a chair without my glasses coming off." So how does he nip up <laughs> and his glasses stay on? I don't know. It yeah, is, it, yeah. So no, he is. Uh, he is amazing, and I was yep. shocked by how many people knew who he was. Dude, freshly squeezed, took over the whole arena. That was awesome. Yes, yes. And doing the thumbs up, and it was just, well, the half thumbs up. It was, and they hugged yeah. him, and the expression. I mean, dude, he got his, he has his character down. And, you know, it's like, you know, you let performance form perform. You let wrestlers do their thing, and it's just like, Everybody's like, well, he's going to have to change who he is. And I think eventually, if he wants to go higher in the card, he might have to change who he is. But if he's fine where he is, Orange Cassidy doesn't have to change. Because the way he was presented right then, it's great. You can continue to present him that way. You're not going to put him in one-on-one singles matches, uh, you know, to get a title shot. If that's not what his character is, his character is not really interested in that. You know what I mean? It's just, you're going to have to let the character develop. Again, one of these things, but these were like, you know, you have some people that, you know, start at zero. He's starting at like six because he's already over. Yes, 100%. (laughs) And it's so fun to see him. And now we get to see him in triple threat match or, you know, triple man. I don't know, whatever it's called. Six man tags. Trios (laughs) matches, six man matches. You can call it whatever. Thank you. Yes. Okay. So we're going to get to see him in those and get lazy tags and just kind of shrug his way in and then kick people in the shins. I'm so excited for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Let's look at the next match. This one had a surprising outcome too. And that was kind of an interesting development of All Out was that we got some surprises. We had the Omega surprise and Pac. We had Nyla as a surprise. This match to me was no different. We had Hikaru Shida with Riho. Now, Sheeta comes out, and she looks 
like a solidified, badass women's contender who could take on Nyla Rose. Her whole mannerism, her whole moveset, everything screams, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be the person who takes on Nyla. We're going to have a badass match. And then Riho ends up winning this match. Now, this is crazy because Riho is like the tiniest person I've ever seen in wrestling. She's so tiny. So you're like, how the hell is she going to take on Nyla Rose? This isn't even fair. No, dude. This girl, Riho, she took on Minoru Suzuki when she was 12 years old. She is no stranger to badass beasts and taking them on. She is going to actually be an awesome contender for Nyla Rose in the strangest matchup of giant towering beast and And, tiny sprightly matchstick that I've ever seen. Didn't she already pin Nyla Rose in a triple threat match? Has she? Maybe. Yeah, I thought that was... Was that at Fighter Fest, I believe? I think so. She's really fast. Really yes. fast and with surprise roll-ups and surprise pins, too. Yes. Um, like I said, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I think I'm speaking directly, but, you know, I think I'm speaking correctly. Yeah, uh, Rio rolled up Nyla, or Nyla Rose in a match with Yuka Sakazaki as the third person. So that happened yeah, at Fighter Fest. So she already has a win over Nyla Rose. She and always has tone for the possibility yeah. that it could happen again. Yes. Uh, Rio, this match, I, I kind of checked out on. Uh, I don't know if I don't get Joshi wrestling, but it was kind of boring to me. And again, I don't say a lot of negative things. But this very much, I'm putting this on me. I, I, I want this th- th- on me. I just might not know what I'm supposed to be watching. But they're both very talented. They both have presence. And Hikaru Shida was kind of playing the heel. But it was just kind of just there to me. I don't know how you felt. I, yes. <laughs> I, I could see that. I could, I could definitely feel that. Um, I was into it because I wanted to know who was going to win, and I was so behind Hikaru Shida that I was like, all right, uh, let's do this. But at the same time, I, I got the feeling, and I was thinking about this during the match, actually, um, and we've talked about this with a few other people on the card, that this is an opportunity for AEW to build up these stories. I don't think we know these girls enough to really rally behind them. Yeah. We know that they're talented. We know that they're badass people in the Joshi scene. And everyone wanted to react. And, you know, there was a lot of clapping in the match. I think we kind of reverted to that, like, Japanese respectful audience in the best way that we knew how. Um, But I think that the more that they start doing road to promos and the more that they start telling us their stories from them, that we're going to be able to connect with them. I think that we haven't been able to really connect with them and we're just watching a match. And I think that the best wrestling and the best engagement comes from when you're able to connect with the people that you're watching in the ring. And I think that we'll get that with them, but we just haven't yet. So I'm hoping that as they come on TV and we have the weekly shows and we have the buildup for the women's championship, that we'll get to connect with them and hear more of their stories. Yes, I, and I completely, I'm, I'm there with you, but it's just like, again, I'm, I'm going to always be honest and transparent. I, if, if you didn't, I didn't get it. It just, 
even when they react, I stood up. I, I might have sat down or stood up and kind of clapped and like, woo! But it was very generic, respectful. This could have been an indie show with two guys I've never seen, and I pretty much would have reacted the same way kind of thing. That's totally fair. Now, conversely, yeah. let's talk about this next match because I've been waiting all damn day to talk to you about this match and hear your thoughts on this match. And I'm going to just mention what it is and then let you take the floor because I cannot wait to hear what Floyd thought as this dude came running down the ramp and this happened right in front of your face, dude. Oh, my God. Okay, we've got Cody Rhodes with MJF as his second, versus Sean Spears with Tully Blanchard as his second. We get to see MJF absolutely killing it as his second. He's not necessarily being a dick to the crowd. He's amping the crowd up. We're seeing MJF on a totally different level. We're seeing Cody Rhodes in an amazing match with Sean Spears. This is such a good match, and Cody's got... Emotional storytelling, just he could whip it out of the back of his pocket, and it's the most delectable thing that you'll see in wrestling. It's awesome. But got a situation where Tully Blanchard and MJF are going at it. And who comes running down the ramp but Arn freaking Anderson? Floyd, my man, tell me about your experience watching and living this moment. Okay. I will say, if you want to see what pure joy looks like, go to VR Live and uh, click on, click on all out, and uh, fast forward to this match in this moment because I see MJF getting a crap beat out of him, and I'm like, I don't know where the hell this match is going, and then I see Arn Anderson, and I'm like, Arn, okay, yes, everybody was the Arn. And I have this tendency to try to guess what's going to happen next no matter what. I, it's just how my brain works. So I'm like, okay, he's going to come out and he's going to get Tully. And he's going to pull Tully to black. What the hell is wrong with you? So he walks down and I'm freaking out. And I'm like, Arn, I'm standing up the whole time. Watch the video. Watch the corner where the, the turnbuckle is. I'm going nuts. Well, uh, he gets in the ring, Right. And now, I've seen hundreds of Arn Anderson matches through my life. The one constant is the pose, the stance, when he's about to do the thing that I love that he does. There are many rude moves. There's Jake's DDT. Hunter Hearst Hemsley has the pedigree. Kenny Omega has the one-wing angel. But I think no move is more synonymous with one person than the Anderson Spinebuster. So Arn Anderson gets in position. He's crouched down. He's ready to go. And I go fucking nuts. Because I know what's coming. So I'm like, and it's kind of a shocked. I don't, he's really about to do this. Then he hits the Spinebuster. And I'm yelling. I'm beating on my chest. I probably almost hit Tiffany in the head like three times. <laughs> I I was crazy. You under. I want to let you know this 
and I'm not being uh, hyperbolic in any way. This was my greatest wrestling experience ever. And it happened five, maybe ten feet in front of me. I have been an Arn Anderson fan since I was birthed, it feels like. Four or five years old, wanting to be this man with these big-ass sunglasses. And the dudes looked 40 since he was 23. And that's all I wanted to be in life. And... Again, his career was over before I really ever saw him wrestle, you know, like in live, you know, before I could ever afford to go to shows, his career was over. And then there was the WrestleMania where he did it to the Undertaker. And I swore, I thought that was the last time I'd ever see Arn Anderson do a spine muster. I know he doesn't have that many more in him. You know, he's, you know, he doesn't wrestle. So he gets in the ring, he hits the spine buster. I don't know if it'll be the last spine buster he sees, but it'll be the one that sticks with me until the day I die. It was the best moment ever. And it was during the match of my current favorite wrestler, Cody Rhodes, which adds even more to it. And I, you know, and it's like, I can like hyperventilating. I'm excited. And yeah, I, I mean, on a scale of one to 10, Melter scale this. This was a 15 for me. <laughs> Dude, I was watching it happen, and like, first <laughs> thought is, holy shit, oh my god, that's Arn Anderson. Second thought is, Floyd must be in absolute heaven right now. That dude must be freaking the hell out, and this must be like the best thing ever. That yeah. was all I could think of was yes. how much people, because you know, I know of them, but like, I know of them, right? And I know how much you love Arn Anderson. So, like, this was one of those moments where I was, like, watching it and thrilled, and it's amazing, but it's even more elevated by the fact that I know how much you and other people are enjoying this moment so much because of how huge this is. It was so cool. Yes, I do not say that lightly. It was the best moment of my wrestling life, I will say, from that moment right then, uh, I'm pretty sure she'll listen to the show. It was like my loyalty and affection for Tiffany went to like un <laughs> untold territories. If you mess with Tiffany, you will have to come through a six foot, 310 pound man because <laughs> <laughs> she has gotten my loyalty forever. Uh, she completely made that happen. She got me the ticket. Oh my God! Uh, I I am if I'm marking out right now. So uh, my friend just sent me a message. He's like, "You're such a mark," because I I got like twenty. <laughs> I got twenty messages. Whether phone message, Twitter, everybody's like tagged Floyd. Man, you're smiling, and I was like, That's "You don't you don't understand." The show could have ended right then, <laughs> and I would have been fine, and I would have been great, and. You know, and uh, Cody, of course, won, and you see me jump up for that, and he kind of hit, hits my hand after the match, and it was just like, and you know, yes, yes, you know, what the cool thing is, is no, you has that look, like he looks at Tiffany like he knows her, right? And yeah, I thought he was yeah. just looking at Tiffany, but now I know he looked at me like, oh, I know you too, you know, that kind of thing. So it was like. 
it, it's a kind of moment because, like I said, it's you know when it comes to Cody, it's he's it, he's one, and the next wrestler is a very far away too. So I, I as far as the match. Again, masterfully put together. I thought it was like one of the most over things. Sean Spears' entrance. I really, I really had to say something about this because his entrance freaking made him look like he was just a star. You know, it just—he just looked so cool with the whole the towel wrap and how the light hits, and he's sitting there in the spotlight. And I was just like, okay, I, I, I can kind of see it. And his physique is on another level. I, I don't I don't know when the last time that man's had a carb or anything he enjoyed <laughs> because his physique is out of this world. Like when you saw it up there, because Cody is in really good shape, but Spears had muscles where you know, like in the abs and stuff. He he's a big dude. So, but the match was uh, put together and that was great. But the Arn Anderson, I like it. It takes it. It would take a lot to overshadow Cody in my eyes. Yeah, he he well, he, <laughs> he overshadowed Cody. I'm gonna say, you know, the next match tried to do just that. Yes. Because the next match was the tag team, the AAA tag title ladder match with the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks, and so we've got the setup for what AEW so far is showing their format to be, which is a lot of variety in the card itself. But then you've got all the hard-hitting stuff building up to a crescendo in a main event. And for me, my match of the night was this match right here, which was the crazy, insane, most awesome ladder match that I hope never happens again. It was so good. So just, like, kind of stressful to watch because it was so daring. Um, And, you know, there were a couple of spots where... I was so worried about whether Nick and Matt Jackson were okay that it kind of took me out of the match until I saw, like, them move. And I was like, oh, okay, they're they're okay. Um, and then I felt much more relieved later when I saw that they were giving backstage promos and interviews and stuff the next day. So I was like, okay, cool. Now I could go back and watch this match again. It was very stressful to watch, but it was absolutely amazing. Um, this was... I mean, it had us all in euphoria. This was incredible. Yes. The action of this match, the defying of physics in their height and their spots. And, oh, my God, they brought the crowd with them on a journey of ecstasy. And it was absolutely awesome. Yes, this match was like Cirque du Soleil meets a monster truck rally. Or <laughs> what's the thing where the car? Yes, yeah, no. What's the thing? Derby. Yes, yes. Destruction yes. Derby. That's what I was thinking. I thought <laughs> some, thought I had the wrong thought. But yeah, it was like Cirque du Soleil meets the uh, Destruction Derby. It's like it was like, oh, they did this magical thing, but it's through a ladder, or they did this magical thing and it's through a table. Oh, his leg just hit on the. Oh my God, is he okay? And again, <laughs> again, I, you know, you take how your thought of it is, right? And then put yourself five feet away from it. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, at one point, we literally have to move as they set up the ladder, the last ladder spot where uh, 
they uh basically pile drive oh, yeah. him through the ladder. Yeah. They're like we literally had to move and crunch up together. And he's like Rick Knox, Knox is amazing. He's like, "Oh, you go he's like, "I'm serious. They know what they're doing, but I don't know what they're doing. So back up." <laughs> and then Atlas oh. pulls us back a little bit. And I'm like, "Cool, you know, we're trying to get back, but just like, you know, we're we're, we're human beings. And there's only so much squeezing." So we've seen that happen in front of us and yeah, um yeah, uh, it will t- take a spectacle for any other ladder match to ever match this one. I honestly think they ruined me on ladder matches <laughs> because you know they did for final battle. That was the one where I was like, "There's never going to be a match that's as good as this one." Okay, well, maybe this one, too. <laughs> yes. Well, I, uh, I'm i a big Ray Phoenix fan, and I even said that he's one of my favorite wrestlers because every time he's in a ring, he does something I've never seen anyone do before. This one jumps through a ladder into a Canadian Destroyer. That was the most insane thing I've ever seen, ever. Honestly, Because it's ever. one of those things... I saw it, and I then looked at Tiffany and asked her, did I just see it? <laughs> the disbelief is real, my Yes. He, I mean, seriously. Because even him, he looked at himself in the middle of this hardcore match, and he has to give himself, like, an applause. And, like, <laughs> I just did that. Because that is not supposed to be physically possible. Like, if someone says, you know what, he's going to jump through a ladder and then catch into a Canadian Destroyer. I'm like, no, it's, it's not going to work. And it looked so smooth when he did it. Oh, it looked man. like... It was like, death-defying stuff. Uh, yes, and then, <laughs> and then it's, like, it's like, so Nick's going up on top of the ladder to... And then the table's right in front of us, right? He's going up on top of the uh, ladder and he's going to put someone through the table. And all I say is, please don't die. Because it was like, and it was like, it was a true thought. Because I'd seen so many miss the close when he when one comes over, uh, one is going over outside the ring. I think it's Nick gets pushed outside the ring, and his foot gets caught on the top rope or whatever, and then he only goes through one table instead of two. And I'm just like, oh my god, wrap this match up, (laughs) like. You've done enough. You've put on a enough show. And I know it was great. It was amazing. It was death defying. It was, it was the one, it, it was the best ladder match I've ever seen. I mean, Me too. Yeah. And, you know, as far as being like worried about people, the thumbtack skateboard and the thumbtacks in your mouth and crashing through cracker barrels, that was good. That's fine. They're safe. They're playing. This was like, holy shit, did they just die? Yes. Oh, my God. It was so good. It was so good, and I hope they never do those spots again because that was also very worrying. Um, But they ended up okay. Yeah. And the end of the match, you're still worried about them because you don't know that they're quite all right just yet. And then there's the Lucha Brothers are still beating down on them after all of that. And then we get these presidents coming out. Yes. And we're like, what the hell? But the crowd knows. The crowd knows immediately 
what the hell is hey, up. Everybody in the first row knew because I knew who it was. I knew who it was. Everybody. The whole crowd is suddenly like LAX, 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 and who is it? L-A-X. That was awesome. I, and it was funny because um, I was listening to another podcast about AEW, and they were like, the crowd didn't care. And I'm like, no, no. The crowd was lit, but because it wasn't a surprise, they were already chanting their name. So, of course, chanting yeah. their name is not going to be like the same sound or acoustic as the shock and awe. They were already chanting the team's name. So they do the beat down and they take off the mask. There was no surprise. All, what, 10, 11,000 people in that stadium knew who was under that mask. So, yep. yeah, it was like there was no shock because everyone knew. And it was uh, Santana or Ortiz. They were very careful to say they cannot go by LAX because mm. unlike other people who have left impact with their name, right? Their names were stuff that they created. LAX is pre- TNA Impact original. Actually, oh. if anyone if anyone owns that character, it would be Conan because he came up with the whole gimmick of LAX. And he actually was there yes. in the back uh, backstage area. Yeah. I guess he was going to come out, but they decided that he didn't. I prefer that they did it the way that it happened, which yes. is just those dudes come out. It's all about them. It's all about the tag team. It was awesome. Yeah, because triple in Triple A, Conan is a heel, and he hates Pentagon and Ray Phoenix. So if they're continuing the Triple A storyline, he would be bringing in Santana and Ortiz to go at. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, and then they'll have a completely different storyline or a similar storyline in. Uh, on AEW television. So Conan, I don't think, can appear on AEW television because he still has a contract with Impact, but he has a deal where he can still do AAA. So it's one of those weird things that's going to always, it's going to happen in this new wrestling where it's like, well, AAA has a working relationship with Impact. AAA also has a relation, open relationship with AEW. So you're going to see some storylines happen in AAA that can't happen on AEW TV because they're Impact products. If Did I just well, explain that clear? Was that, yeah, was that <laughs> yeah, good? No, you did, you got yeah, it. Yes. You got it. Yes. So it's... Yeah. Uh, It'll be all good. Yes. So, uh, yeah. So, they'll be in AAA and AEW. They are going to, it looks like their name team is going to be PNP, Proud and Powerful. That's what it looks like their name is going to be. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, Santana has changed his uh, Twitter to Proud and Powerful. but So, that looks like what their name is going to be on the show. They just did, they just called him Santana or Ortiz. But, you know, they got to get their... They they got to get their licensing and what product or what name they're gonna go by and then it'll be out there. But it looks like it's gonna be proud, proud and powerful because they are both Puerto Ricans and, and I think they were called the Barriquas. AEW said the Barriquas have shown up because they're of course both Puerto Rican. Well, there we go. There was a lot of Puerto Rican representation at All Out, which was awesome. Absolutely. Um, Let's dive into this main event. This was the very first AEW World Championship match. And we've got Hangman Page coming out on a 
freaking horse with some cowboy shit at All Out, which was amazing. And we've got Chris Jericho coming out to Judas because this is a badass entrance. And you've got the whole arena singing it right along with the theme song. Yeah. This match was excellent. Hangman Page looked incredible. I truly Chris didn't Jericho. know that many people knew the song Judas. Like Dude. Tiffany singing it word for word. And I'm like, I'm looking at her. My eyes are wide open. I like, I have no idea any words of this song. I just know Judas. Yeah, I know that. So yeah, good. yeah. I've never even listened to the song all the way through, other than oh, being in the in, in 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 there. So it was crazy, and I'm like, they have not done a great job of turning him into a hill. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a banger song, so like they don't. They have a few banger songs in AEW. Yes. You've got the Young Buck song. You've got Judas, obviously Cody's song. Um, but you know, they don't have a lot of huge bangers and this one was one where it felt like yeah. a rock concert, which felt perfectly befitting to the first AEW world championship match. Plus it's fucking Chris Jericho. Yes. Excuse my swearing. Like, dude, this is amazing. This match felt like big match for both Paige and Jericho. This was awesome. You had Y2J chance running through. You had cowboy shit chance running through. Hangman Page, let's go Jericho, let's go Page. Like, everybody was locked in on this match. I think by the end of the night, we were all a bit tired because it was kind of long, but we still had big match energy for this. This was amazing. And watching it back on the broadcast, you could tell everybody was absolutely in on this. And, you know, I would have loved to see Hangman Page win, but I'm going to be real honest right now. If Hangman Page wins this, championship on the first try to me it feels like they're putting everything behind hangman page and building it up superficially that's not to say hangman page isn't good enough to go chase after the title because he is but hangman page needs a story to fight he is a baby face who will do whatever it takes to better himself to learn some lessons to do the work to get to that place Chris Jericho is the greatest of all time. He is one of the greatest of all times. He's a goat, dude. And you've got Chris Jericho as somebody who is a guy that the championship just looks like it needs to be a part of. I mean, unless he's leaving a steakhouse, but it looks good on him. It matches him. This is a dude that people outside of AEW who haven't been watching AEW or who are kind of curious about it are going to look and know Jericho. They're going to see Jericho with that championship and be like, holy shit, Chris Jericho is their champion? Whoa. And Chris Jericho is so good and so dominant and so brutal that he's going to be somebody that people have to fight against to get that title to make it even more worthy that they got that shot. Yeah. um, I have been very open about the fact that my friends, when asking me about AEW, the first name they bring up is Chris Jericho. Occasionally I get a Cody Rhodes, but th- it's the company that Chris Jericho is going to be a part of. My friends with a gun to their head couldn't tell you who Hangman Page was. They couldn't pull him out, push him, pick him out of a lineup. I'm not saying that to disparage Hangman Page. It's just when you are building a company, you are building a business, you try to build your brand and you try to get your name out there. Well, who does that better than Chris Jericho? 
no one. It's just he had to be the champion. I immediately tweeted out from All Things Elite page after he won the title. Sometimes the predictable thing is the right thing. 100%, dude. Yeah, it, it has to be. Hangman, just like the first match I ever saw Kenny Omega in, he was lost. A lot of people, this is the first match they've seen Adam Page in. They saw him look impressive, and they saw him lose. They saw him be almost there, but not quite. He got a little predictable in the end because he went for his third. If you're looking at a storytelling, you know, if this wrestling's a shoot, he went for his third buckshot lariat, which, of course, you're wrestling against somebody who's been doing this for 30 years. He sees what's coming this time, and then he throws the Judas effect. Boom! Match is over. Real fight, if you're trying to present it like a real fight, that was the perfect ending. A young guy went to the well one too many times, and a veteran made him pay for it. Perfect ending. Chris Jericho didn't win by seeing super athletic. He didn't win by seeing super strong. He won by being a crafty veteran that was one step ahead of the young stallion, the fucking horse. Dude, it was awesome. (laughs) And then Chris Jericho ends up in the news not 24 hours later because the damn title got stolen while he's eating at a fucking Longhorn Steakhouse. In Tallahassee, Florida. (laughs) Oh my god. Like, suddenly everyone's like, what the hell? Jericho's title is gone. No one knows what the hell happens. First, people think he just got drunk and lost it. Then it's like, oh shit, wait, police report filed and stolen. That's legit. And then the memes take off. Where in the world is the AEW title? (laughs) So that goes nuts. And then, like, within the same time frame, Jericho's backstage promo comes out where he's talking about a little bit of bubbly. And that goes viral. And you've got the Oakland A's talking about a little bit of bubbly. You've got BBC News talking about the world title. You have the crazy Sports Illustrated is covering memes of a little bit of bubbly. Like, this is nuts. So not only do you have Chris Jericho as the face of the AEW World Championship, which is worthy enough on its own, but then you have two of the biggest viral internet news stories simultaneously having to do with Chris Jericho and AEW, and it just gets so much publicity, it's over the moon and just ridiculous. It's amazing. Absolutely. Uh, I completely agree. 100%. Um you know what? For every person that said Jericho shouldn't be the champion, look at what <laughs> look at what he look at what he did with a mistake. Yeah, he made a mistake, a a gif, a meme, whatever. He made a mistake go viral. Yep. A little bit of bubbly is now a part of AEW lexicon. I guarantee you are one of their announcers is going to say that on the first t- uh, uh, TV show. I imagine when he comes to matches or whatever, he's going to have a big bottle of champagne after he wins. After yeah. he wins and he goes to the back, he's going to have a little bit of bubbly. <laughs> and they've already got a shirt for it, and it became the <laughs> highest-selling shirt in 24 hours ever for yes. pro wrestling tees. Yes. And that's including Bullet Club merch. 
That's including elite Bullet Club merch. That's yeah. insane, dude. Yeah, I I remember. I forgot what Cody, one of the Cody shirts, it flew off the shelf. The Luchasaurus shirt was the highest selling shirt this weekend, but they sold the most shirts over a 24 hour period since pro <laughs> wrestling tees became a thing. And that's just For a little bit of bubbly, a little bit of bubbly. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, yeah, yes. And it was like, <laughs> now, you know, what's funny. So the shirt gets announced. What? And I'm about to order it, right? And I was like, oh, okay. I'll just wait until I'll wait until I get paid. And then it was like, oh, Jericho versus Cody. Yep, not ordering it. I'm not doing it. I am not <laughs> going to betray my Cody. All right, you know what, man? We're going to have a really fun, tiny little feud because I'm totally going to be bringing a little bit of bubbling because I'm totally going to be rooting for Jericho in this match. Yes. And if Cody wins, I am happy because both of these dudes are going to be awesome both of these dudes are going to be contenders but i know on the all things elite podcast co-hosted by floyd and all elite tiffany that i am going to be in the minority on this one but i am proud to be the voice of a little bit of bubbly yes. on all things elite. <laughs> so she uh so she actually has there's this company called knocking point wine and it's yes. run by Stephen Amell, and they made did a couple wines. They did a nightmare wine and a dream wine. Well, drink. Uh, Tiffany has a dream sparkling wine, and I believe she is bringing it to the event. And in yes. the event the American Nightmare wins, we will be having a little bit of bubbly. That is fantastic. I hope she shows Cody because that will make him laugh so hard. Yes. Fantastic. Yes. Uh, yeah, I was like, um, the only way you can get the dream one is to actually join Knocking Point Wine Club. And I actually joined last night so I can get that wine. Oh, I so, I, so I can bring it with me just in case. Like, I, I you know, everything in me says, you know, they're not going to switch the title that quick. But if. They did switch the title, and I'm there, and I don't have my bubbly with me. I would feel bad, cause yeah, that's going to be, yeah, this is go. It's, it's yeah, you don't understand. Uh, Jericho, perfect champion. He's pretty so good. You, he's one of those people you can put up in front of the media, and he can give an interview, keeping kayfabe, but still being Chris Jericho. You know what I mean? It, yes. it is. It is. Uh, it is this fine line that not a lot of people can do. He. He. He's. But he's excellent at it. So in the media that you have up until the next month of the show, you're gonna have Chris Jericho showing up places. Who's excellent in front of the camera? You're gonna have a little bit of bubbly. You're gonna have Cody Rhodes doing it, and it's just gonna be fun. And like, and like this storyline has been built since the moment Chris Jericho demanded a thank you, and uh, Cody Rhodes on Road Two kicked him the hell out of his office. I think that was like the third yep. episode of Road Two ever. So if anyone is saying there's no story for this match. Yeah, I, I know you shouldn't be expected to go to YouTube and blah, blah, blah. But just because you don't know the story doesn't mean there's not a story. And they'll be building it up. To yeah, oh, absolutely. The next few weeks, for sure. All right, so to wrap up our show, we've got Full Gear Pay-Per-View that is already announced. They announced it at All Out. 
as soon as they announced the full gear pay-per-view, Andy Nimity and I looked at each other and we were like, dude, full gear challenge. Hashtag full gear challenge. It's back online. So if you're on Twitter and you want to better yourself with health, fitness, mindfulness, whatever, goals are yours to have. You can join in on Twitter. We're going to be doing that until full gear pay-per-view. Hey, no. I wanted to add. When you do the hashtag feel good challenge, if you're you got a result that you like and you want it to be shared on the show, go ahead and tag at AT Elite Pod. What we're gonna start doing every week until full gear. It was gonna have just a little five minute segment on each each of the shows up until then, and we're gonna talk about the successes that everyone has had on the full gear challenge because Andy Nimity kinda started this thing, so we definitely wanna support it as we go to full gear. Hell yeah, dude. And what is better than having this awesome elevating community supporting and elevating each other? Because, you know, this community is pretty damn cool sometimes when they want to do something good. And this is something good. So yes. join in. And, yeah, we'll totally feature it and talk about successes. Yes. Um, for the Full Gear pay-per-view, we've got Kenny Omega versus John Moxley already announced. Cody Rhodes versus Chris Jericho for a championship match is already announced. Um, we've got Pac versus Paige. Maybe they've been kind of teasing up something with that. We've got, uh, I guess I can't say LAX, so whatever new name that they have, maybe versus the Young Bucks we might see. But we're going to see a lot of great shows. We've already got a StarCast thing going on in Baltimore. Floyd and I already have our tickets to both StarCast and Full Gear, and I believe Tiffany does too. So we are all crashing in with Andy Yeah. Andy as well. Yeah. To Baltimore Ooh, we're, for full gear. I don't know if you saw my <laughs> post. Uh, so I bought the platinum ticket package, right? Because yeah. I wanted to guarantee I got seats. Well, you know me. I, I, I'm, I'm a little weird. So I got up this morning about 1045. And I was like, well, let's just see what I can get. Third row seats. Oh, my God. I am third row <laughs> for full you. gear. We get Hell to keep yeah. our chair. Uh, and you know what's funny? Because I didn't even, because I, I got the tickets with Tiffany. So when I went on to get it, I was like, you know, I'm going to try to get two. And I didn't tell her. I was like, just in case it didn't happen, it was like, I didn't want to build up her hope and then disappoint it. So I was like, I get the tickets and I'm I'm freaking out. My hand is actually physically shaking to the point where I couldn't type it in because I had no idea I would get that close, you know, on my own or whatever. And I was like, oh, I have a surprise for you. <laughs> and, oh, you got to pay back. That's awesome. <laughs> yes. It was like, yes, I got to, I got to, uh, give back to the friend that gave me something very, very special. So we, uh, she'll get to see Cody in the championship match right up close. And in third row. Yeah. Yep. All right, man. Well, we are going to have an awesome show next week detailing. Are you going to be talking about, all out with tiffany next week we're going to talk about all out her her we're going to specifically talk about her experiences at all oh, yeah. out in Starcast. then we're going to talk about the news for the week and again like i said send in your full gear news we want to pump up everybody that's on it if it's one ounce if it's 20 pounds if you just manage to walk 15 minutes every day and you haven't lost anything yet it does not matter. The Full Gear Challenge is about living better, no matter the actual results, but we will celebrate the results. Hell yeah, man. We are a team, all of us on Twitter, working together to better each other and ourselves, and we've got your back. So join us with Full Gear Challenge, hashtag Full Gear Challenge, 
And uh, yeah, we'll have more coming up as we work our way up to the Full Gear pay-per-view. Yes. Well, uh, I think that's it for the show, right? Is that all we're covering? I think so. All right. So for Amy, this is Floyd reminding you, you know, reminding you to stay in that full gear mindset. And whether it's home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hero.co.